Okay, everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Mid-Curve Podcast. Uh, we took a little break for the holidays, but we are back. Uh, the NFT market is fully in some sort of swing. I guess many people would probably refer to this as a bull market. We'll see. We'll get into talking about that right now. Um, the financial markets, maybe not as much, although not not blood in the water as of right now. Um, I'm going to introduce everybody in the podcast when we get started, and I'm going to ask them for a kind of a one-word answer on what the market looks like to them right now before we jump in. Um, lots to talk about today. I mean, I think we're going to definitely talk about meme land. We're going to talk about the market. Before we get started, let's get around our, uh, our let's go around the table here. Um, Salty, so nice to see you again. I hope your holidays were well. Um, what uh, is a one word? What is one word you'd give for the market right now? Yeah, good to be back. Um, I'd say fun. You know, it's just oh. been nice to flip some NFTs. It's just been nice to mint some DGEN stuff and have it not all, not all instantly go to zero. Uh, so it's just been a little fun. You know, it's nice. I love that because it, I, I think for the first time, maybe, I think honestly for me, we can get, we'll get into this too, but it maybe it's the first time since Goblin Town, it's felt fun. Like it's been that long. Maybe, I know Wagd was right after that. Yeah, you know what it was really? Goblins and Wagdy were both so fun. And then I feel like Wizards stole that from us by trying to be fun. <laughs> and it was the, the worst rug, useless thing ever. And it has never been fun since then. And now we're August. Back August was their last tweet. Their last tweet <laughs> was in August. Everybody keep that in mind. That's an ongoing, ongoing theme for me is when was your last tweet? Um, okay, uh, Eric, what about you? What's, a one, what's one word you give for the market right now? Uh, Poppin'. It's, oh. <laughs> it is it is it's you know volumes are back uh coming back a little bit uh every major collection is having a very nice run off the lows ETH prices are overall stable um yeah it's 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 so so things are things are going popping i love it we get some we get some parlance of our times in here popping <laughs> okay uh grant what about you what is your uh what is your word uh, still trepidatious. Uh, not. Uh, I think I'm probably taking a more conservative view than than others on here. We'll probably need the rest of the month and maybe midway through February, but before we determine like what's actually what. Uh, there tends to be just a ton of optimism heading into the new year. Uh, most of it can be unfounded. Uh, and you know, e even traditionals. Uh, that's you know more so just flows, right? Like funds redeploying, yields going up. Uh, that's you know keeping coin prices steady, and JPEGs. I'm I mean I'm sure we'll get into it uh, in, in this next hour, but there's some obvious catalysts sort of keeping us afloat, which will expire uh, towards the end of this month. So still trepidatious. Yeah, trepidatious is a good word. Um, I I think right now it's something that we'll get into when we talk about is like. There's definitely an elation happening right now, but it's it's like something that there are some some semi dark edges to that I think we'll talk about. I was trying to think my word uh, for this week. I'm torn in that I'm really excited to see the fun come back to NFTs. I'm really excited to do things like Salty was saying, mint things and and be able to like at least get my money back on them even if they're kind of dumb things that feel like uh, if they're even if they're rocks that 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 somehow go from 0.01 to to 0.6 in a in a day um i think that that's being torn is a really important thing because i one thing i remember from last year and i think we should get talk about this but too is the cycle of bull cycles and how long they last i remember when january started last time we were uh, coming off of December of 2021. It was a relatively dark time in NFTs, even though it wasn't nearly as dark as it got this year. But because ETH had gone so crazy, NFT, NFTs had kind of fallen off a bit. But January was like full-blown bull and was felt crazy for at least the first two to three weeks. And then the thing I want to get into, we can talk about a little bit, is how I think people forget, but like, it, there was a moment where everybody kept talking about the the Super Bowl, right? The Super Bowl was a big thing last year. There was going to be a board ape commercial, and that was going to be the moment where we were all going to go over the top and it was going to go crazy because by the Super Bowl, it had slowed down a little. So maybe that's a good place to start. And Grant, this is just to kind of, we maybe we can dig in on what you're saying. Let's jump in here and talk about, I want to kind of start with the trepidation uh, angle of this and kind of talk about like, 
it's really good, I think, for us to kind of express those feelings right now, especially when euphoria seems to have taken over a lot of people. What places are you most trepidatious about right now? Or what are you watching in terms of things that feel a little bit sketchy in, in, in terms of being successful Volmar? Uh, I've seen it happen three times uh, in the last two years. Uh, every single time there's been a new Yugo Mint that's marked the top for a long, 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 long time. At least a quarter. Um, this time could be different because it's purportedly a free mint. I've been uh, assured of that many, many times, uh, but we'll see. I'm sorry, I'm out of the loop. What is Yuga minting for free? Something about mecha dogs or mecha monkeys or buttholes <laughs> oh, or I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's the Jimmy, it's the Jimmy the Monkey Mint, right? Which is like a, and what they've announced is it's like a multi-stage minting process that starts, I think, on the 18th. Is that right? Is it, Grant, does that sound right? J January 18th? Yeah, it's supposed to start on the 18th. It's an uh, interactive minting experience for a week. Yeah, so that'll go on. So, so I think what Grant is referring to as the idea in the past we had both the other side, which I think a lot of people think of as the kind of final knell in the um, death of the NFT market in May, which was a massive liqu liquidity suck, which was a, was it 2.5 ETH per mint? Wasn't that what it was? Am I, am I crazy? Three. Three. Three, three plus gas. So the average cost, I think, was probably five to six if you got the mint. Uh, and on the back end, you were probably paying seven, eight if you sent your gas late. Yep. Um, yeah, a pretty unbelievable situation. And by the way, uh, still underwater, uh, at least in the, significantly underwater, right? Massively, so the, massively yeah, underwater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so Grant, yeah, let's just jump back. So Yuga is minting something. What in the past, like, do you feel like that mint will define when it happens? Well, I guess I should just say this. Do you feel like until then, we're going to kind of be where we are in this kind of vibe that we have right now? Or do you feel like that this is like, what's going through right now is probably not sustainable well yeah and, and the other half of the equation is is blur uh they've announced that the tg or token generation event is happening at the end of the month uh and you know hopefully alongside that it's going to be some other announcements about potentially new futures as well as future use cases of the token uh and you know depending on who you listen to online it's either uh caused floors go, to go down or caused floors to go up uh, on <laughs> most major projects. Uh, sometimes you'll find accounts talking on both sides of their mouths, even. Uh, irrespective of the direction, it's obviously um, going to, I think, at least mark a, a local uh, range uh, when that token drops. Um, so it's kind of two cliffs happening at the same time, if, if I can be more accurate in my statement. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I, I, I know that for myself personally, I've been definitely putting a flag in the, in the blur airdrop. It's something that I, I'm very aware that that could be either a giant catalyst to more or it could also potentially be the end of some sort of significant run that's, that's happening now. I think the other thing that we should probably jump into, and, and when I was saying I'm torn, I think one of the things that has me in the last, day or two and this has torn me on a personal level as well as a, a, a kind of an idea level is the meme land uh captains right so for those of you who are not aware meme land is a very large project that is run by nine gag uh, meme land potatoes which were the original free mint that was going to allow you essentially to get access to the paid mint uh came out i think about five months ago quite a while ago now and you needed three of those, and there was a very complicated system to get into the Meme Land Captain's Mint. It was a one-eath mint. Um, I think people expected more in terms of floor price out of it, which is a little crazy looking at it now, but not that crazy considering that potatoes were going for 2.5. I think right now it sits at about like a 4.5 floor. Um, it's kind of been one of those mints that's uh, <clears throat> from the from the opening moment has just kind of gone down. So... I think the thing that I feel a little torn and trepidatious about with Meme Land is I kind of expected there to be a bigger bounce coming into Meme Land, and I kind of am a little bit shocked by the idea that 
you know, in the way that we have this kind of like essentially what was being pitched as a kind of blue chip esque, or at least a starting point blue chip project, didn't come out of the gate like super hot. So um, I know Eric, what is your take on on how Memeland's performing so far? Yeah, so I think two things. It's one um, with the way that first come first serve was allocated. I think there was a lot of uh, angst over the fact that your chances of hitting in first come first serve, especially if you weren't an MVP holder, were materially lower than people had calculated. Um, largely because overall meme less guaranteed mints were north of a thousand more than what people had thought they would be. So instead of there being theoretically 1500 first come first serve mints for, you know, just potato holders, it was something like 500. Um, and so your chances dropped drastically. And unless you send a bunch of gas, uh, you didn't hit. Um, I think the second part of this is, is, and I've been seeing this, you know, after like kind of just sitting, um, fly on the wall in the captain's chat, uh, is people are mad about the 9% royalty on the one ETH mint, um, which they view as greedy. The team has so far refused to budge. Um, and also in addition with them adopting the OpenSea filter registry, which blocks blur your overall you know, cost on a sale is like 11 and a half. So, you know, every sale, like more than a ton, more than a 10th of your, uh, uh, of the value goes out on the, on the exit. Um, so I think those things for, in my mind have really served to, um, hurt the mint event a little bit, just because there's no, I think you dampened some of the enthusiasm. Uh, and I think because the frictional costs of moving in and out are so high, you've also kept away a lot of the market makers uh, who would otherwise have been all over this. Um, and so now I think like, as you're talking about the swanky, like mainland is bouncing pretty hard because whales like Coco are, are beginning to sweep. Uh, and I think this is where like, you know, this is, we kind of talked about this um, a, a little bit. It's like, this is where sort of that big backbench of, whales that are either advising or backing them are, are starting to show up. And the question is, how far can they take it? I think that's absolutely right. And I think one of the things that's interesting to see is just it's taught me again about how much you need these giant whales to support projects and to kind of keep them going. And I, I think at your, your, there's so few people, like the people who would normally be doing this sort of thing and moving it and flipping it and doing all this just haven't been participating in it yet. And I think the royalty thing is a pretty significant chunk. Um, Grant, what's your take on it? What, where do you feel this kind of has landed? Are you feeling like it's in trouble or do you feel like it's going to be fine? It'll be fine. It just, you could see it with potatoes, like the, the pace at which they move, uh, both in terms of like progress, community building and price action uh, is just a different pace from, uh, from, from the rest, right? From, Ever ever since like kind of the explosion of board apes, Kongs, mice, like the twenty one era, uh, like creators saw like how fast things could move, and it kind of it, hard to say, you know, putting the cart before the horse, but it just became easy to sort of manufacture hype and say, you know, oh, this is coming uh, in our roadmap, this is coming in our roadmap, blah 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 blah, uh, and the Asian projects just kind of do it differently. Right. Uh, we've also seen, you know, a, a surge uh, both in terms of interest as well as price action in Japanese projects, and I think it's much the same. Right. It's just discovery uh, and kind of a, a rift uh, between, you know, the knowledge base of of most NFT investors here in North America versus, you know, how things are built, uh, including like social mores and what's appropriate and what's not in Asia. Personally, I'm I'm a bit, you know, miffed. Uh, just because the collection's not quite as liquid as it could be if they just, you know, maybe made royalties dynamic based on the, the volume and the price action and maybe didn't block uh, the most liquid marketplace in, in, in recent memory. Um, but I think it'll be fine uh, in the long run. Yeah, I, I think eventually the whales come out for it. It bounces from here. I, I, I'm kind of in agreement with Grant. I, I think eventually they'll sort of just figure it out. Um, you know, whether that it's news or maybe do to actually just say, okay, like, well, um, bam, blur at the very least, 
um, to take two and a half percent off of that eleven and a half, which still moves the needle. Um, and then um, you know, market action gets a little better. Some of the big flippers and market makers come in. We get better liquidity on the collection, and it just it starts to move into those major catalysts. I think I think the the honestly like potatoes have have surprised me to the upside on how well they've held. But I also think part of that has to do with the fact that nobody really wants to own stake and sell yet because they think the tickets will have some value down the line. So so there is still a little bit of um a pressure there to to keep the buyer, the sellers from aggressively tanking the floor. Um I just, you know, for for me, I just I just think like it's it's kind of funny because everything they say is, oh, we don't want flippers in the project. Oh, uh, you know, this is you the NFT is this is an NFT where your return isn't predicated on selling. And I, I'm just sitting here and thinking, well, if it's not predicated on selling, like, what's the point of a nine percent royalty? Um, and also, if you go into Captain's Lounge, uh, basically yesterday, every other, other like, post in Captain's Lounge was somebody trying to buy buy Captain's OTC, um, and so they've it's got it got so bad that they actually opened up a trade lounge for OTC trades. Um, which obviously are not going to pay royalties at all. And this OTC lounge is like crazy right now. So, <laughs> so, so, so I, I, I'm actually not sure, like, you know, they take this hardline stance, but at the end of the day, all they did was like push all of the activity into a secondary super illiquid market that still doesn't pay any royalties. Um, so, so I, I just, I just don't understand what the point is. Right. Yeah, Eric, I thought that uh, that language from them was was interesting. It was it was it was like public, like going public with a stock and being like, we don't want people buying our stock who just want to sell it to other stock traders. It's like, why go public then? Like, why? Of course, the volume, the the liquidity, everything's coming from people trying to make profit off flipping and selling an NFT. Why would you denigrate that behavior? I mean, that's it's a market. I I just think it's so funny that. Nine gag made this quote. It's like, hey, we're testing a trade lounge. And then on number four of the rules, it says use legit platforms for OTC deals. For example, X2Y2 private sale, which by the way, does not pay royalties at all. <laughs> so so I it's it's you know it's it's a little on the nose, but I I I I'm really just kind of looking at this and say, you just this is a really overwrought stance about royalties and defending your artificially high royalty. And as you're sort of seeing the situation on false post mint, you know, it's not really serving the purpose that you wanted to serve. And, and so at what point do you go back and reassess this royalty issue, you know, take it down to a more reasonable 6.9 or 4.2, uh, enable trading on blur while making sure that blur still honor the full extent of the royalty and just increase like market liquidity. Like, in my mind, these are just actions that they can do at virtually no cost um, to the benefit of everybody. And so, you know, where I think I, I, I just, I'm a little annoyed is, is they seem to be, they, they don't seem to want to do that. And uh, I, I just don't see like a logical justification as why, like what, what the downside to, to it is. Yeah, I mean, I guess on, on the other hand, I, I won't, argue with Eric on the friction. It's super annoying and frustrating to me, but like really captains are going to be priced the same as, as ether. Uh, they let's, let's be real. Like they could have charged like four to five times this and most people wouldn't blink because that that's what the real market rate is. So I almost wonder, you know, what would have been better for their perception, just charging three to four ETH up front or, you know, going with this stupid royalty stance. Oh, I, I, I agree. I I I in I think in this case it's much better to actually just charge more upfront, and enforce a lower royalty on on the back end. You know, because because my issue is not necessarily what they're charging. My issue is is the 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 incremental friction that they're creating. I really do agree with that. I think that the idea of what, especially the blur part of it all at this point, and I know that like because from what I've been seeing of larger projects. It's like it feels like it's a just a giant mistake as a business if you're going to be running as a business to leave that much liquidity off the table, and I just don't really understand the point of view to do it necessarily. Um, what uh, you know, Grant? I was going to ask you a question based on what you said before. 
are they able to, will, will they be able to lower the royalty? They will, right? Like they could loyal it, uh, lower it. It's a possibility that, to do it. Of course, they can do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if yeah. there were, you know, if um, creators were being, I'm being super general here, but if creators were being proactive about just the changing landscape and recognizing that royalties are a social more a social construct they'd be talking to the smartest devs in the space and asking them hey like how can i set dynamic royalties uh, and make sure that you know what pays me is also aligned with trader volume and trader incentives yeah i think that's a really interesting point and i think actually it brings up something that's that's kind of been bugging me lately and i, I think this has it also kind of speaks to the ether thing which i know we've discussed that you know ether is an upcoming Mint for another anime project. It's going to be a one ETH mint. And there was a little bit of news this week where the um, one of the founders decided he was going to take, I think, part of his salary and he's going to donate part of his salary to charity, um, which whatever. But I think the bigger thing is no, no, not I, not whatever, yes. not whatever. That's, yeah, okay, that's I think yes. okay, I think that's an that. industry that's term that yes. we know as effective altruism. Yes, oh, that's no. oh yeah, you're right, you're right. Oh, no. Yes, you're right. I didn't think about that. Better donate it to ineffective charities. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I think the bigger the bigger question I wanted to get into here is why don't more founders um, do better research or listen more to people that have been in this space longer, right? Or, and, or or do they care? I guess this is what I'm trying to get at is that like as somebody who launched a project and you know it, there were I had a lot of problems with my project, but I do think the one thing I kind of got right was understanding what the market would do with it in the beginning and how to kind of open that door to stuff. I think that like, it feels like a lot of these major projects launch and they do, or, or not even after launch, like, you know, even like the CCO thing for Moonbirds, which I think personally, I think was a mistake. And I think a lot of people in the space could have told you that was a mistake, but is it just that people aren't surrounding themselves with people that are in the space or is it they don't care like what what is what is your take on this um grant what do you think about that as a lifelong consultant i would say they just don't listen uh obviously some of some of the stuff in the space is just you know they're surrounding themselves with the wrong people uh i don't think that's the case with ray uh he spent a whole year like immersing himself degenning in the space uh, and has plenty of people uh, around him who know What's what? I think this is just him sticking by what he believes are the right principles, uh, and mm. eventually he'll win or he'll sort of compromise. I, I think he'll he'll see through to it and, and compromise eventually. Yeah, I, I think for my experience from watching this project, kind of from afar, I had potatoes for a little while, and I'm but I am a fan of of Ray, and I listened to a really interesting um, interview with him where he does seem like he knows what he's doing in the space quite a bit now after being in it for a little while. It was a little shocking to me that like the I, he put out that tweet. I think it was today. I don't know if you, if, if all three of you saw it, but basically, kind of like telling people to stop complaining in some in so many words. Um, and it just felt a little tone deaf to me. And I, I just was like, oh, this is such a weird take from this person who seems like he's kind of been knowing what he's been doing so far. So my you know two cents on this issue is is that. First of all, I think I think up until this point, I would say the 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 Miman team by most standards had done a really good deal. I thought Potatoes was such a smart play. Um and it allowed them to sort of create hype at, you know, relatively minimal cost and also do a ton of market discovery on what the market would accept for captains. Um and that was a really intelligent and thoughtful way to sort of approach, you know, what was what was it was under any under any any circumstance going to be really costly mint um and and figure out the right way to put where you wanted to establish your goalposts um i think you know i i i'm honestly a little surprised too at this stance but i i also kind of just take a step back and and say like look this is you know a function of twitter um just just a constant 24-7 live stream of comments and vitriol. Um, and I think like if you are the founder and you're the face of it, some of the stuff is very hard to take. And there's always an inclination in some points to to be reactive or defensive. Like that's very that's like a very, very human thing. Right. Um, and 
you know, it, to be fair, we're like two days into this mid. So uh, TBD on ultimately like what happens. Um, and, you know, I get that. Like he just is very like principle, you know, he's taking a principled stance to say, hey, creators as a royalties, we want to be paid our royalties because we're trying to make something that's going to be valuable to people. Um, but I, I also think that he has to just, you know, eventually, you know, they're going to take a less adversarial relationship with the flippers and hopefully make the right changes um, and put everybody in a better spot. Like it, it just, it just, cause it seems like the narrative, like a part of the, um, you know, one of the impacts of this whole narrative, this whole uh, debate over royalties is like this narrative of like, you know, flippers are bad, um, fuck flippers, you know, they're bad for projects. You don't want flippers in your projects because they destroy your floor um, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I kind of take the opposite stance on this because I say that, look, if your project can get to a point where it can support somebody like a Franklin um, <laughs> or, or multiple Franklins who can basically do what they do with one project like full time, um, then you have a pretty robust ecosystem. Yeah, and you and during periods of extreme volatility, um, you have basically this stable of market makers who are who are able to step in and help defend the project or provide price discovery when you really need price discovery. Um, and that, you know, I think at the margin is like a huge benefit add for an asset class is still like at relative to almost everything else, like super illiquid, right? Yeah, um, yeah I, what I was just gonna add to that real fast, and I think this is, again, one of those fascinating things where we're looking at a scenario, I, I, as we've said in this podcast before, I think that this is a weird blend of people that are collecting and people that are trading NFTs, right? Like we are in a very strange marketplace in which there's a value that is given to the art or to the community or to whatever that is not just purely the financial value. And there are a lot of people who are in this for just purely for the financial value. And what I think we're learning yet again is that part of the magic of this system in some ways is the combination of the two. And that when the traders aren't as active in a scenario, then the magic doesn't happen in the way that it did before. And sometimes if the traders take over in a scenario, then maybe it's hard to be sustainable as well too. So it's a pretty weird balance. But I think I, I will also say just in, in some ways to the defense of, of what meme land is doing and what it is. And I think that there are outsized expectations often for any project that's coming out with this much hype. And the fact that it was a one ETH mint and it still sits pretty close to a five, five ETH mint floor. And the fact that potatoes were a free mint, there is a lot going for the fact on the creator side of saying like, look, we, you know, we didn't give you this thing to, we, we didn't mint it out at five ETH. We minted it out at one ETH. So they're trying to, you know, basically make the argument that it's not, you know, it's not their fault that the price is what it is, um, which I understand. And I think that's fine. I, I don't know. Salty, what is your kind of vibe and take on, on uh, this kind of balance between like what the perfect sense of royalties versus priced out mints are? Yeah, I think I'd echo what um, Eric's saying and Grant's said. I mean, I, we're all probably saying similar things. Um, you know that you, you it's it it would be odd to not want liquid and efficient markets if you are selling things, and especially if you are funding your business by selling those things and then taking a cut every time somebody resells those things. So I I understand it, you know, there's challenges with how to balance that. 9% just seems very high. Um, uh, and, and there is this uh, thing that keeps happening where very successful or, or somewhat successful projects what make what look like sometimes on the outside just kind of rookie mistakes. Like, like, why would you do that kind of things? Um, of course, it's always also easy to stand on the outside and criticize. So I, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't have a huge dog in this fight. I'm just, you know, I'm, uh, I think here at Midcurve, you know, half of us made a bunch of money and half of us lost a little bit of money on, on, uh, you know, trying to play the captains and, and it could have gone differently. But, um, oh, you know, the ultimate, the, 
ultimate uh, alpha here for me was uh, figure out better ways to Sybil attack whitelists. Um, because <laughs> until the liquidity switch gets really turned back on, that's always the best bet. Yeah, no, no kidding. Not, not that I endorse Sybil attacking for whoever's listening. No. Don't do it. Well, this is a good, it's a good, that's another good question is that like if you, and you know, we know some people who are very close to mid-curve who did very well on that aspect of stuff, right? And I think that, there is an argument that you know that the money that has been traded out of this pro uh, project is a lot of people who were able to like find their way into a lot of uh, uh, meme lists. So I think that's something. There's definitely something to be said if that's a slightly different version of trading. But if that's something you can pull off, it it definitely is possible for sure. Sure. I, well, I you know I never even kept up with the meme meme list stuff because I said you know the professional sneakerheads or botters they're gonna crush this so I'm not even gonna try and I literally didn't even try. But I don't know if you guys kept up with how they were doing meme list if you thought it was fairly distributed or not or if you guys think it was pretty heavily sibled or botted or or how that went down. So so I, I you know I had some conversations with this and and the team actually halfway through i think sometime in late november december they actually purged a ton of meme lists that they thought were like just not active or simple um or potentially simple or or whatever um and and so i think they, were, they tried to be on top of it but you know i'll i'll this, this is in reference to nobody but there have been cases where let's say something like kaiju kings which got a huge allocation of meme list raffles and a meme list and proceeded to raffle them out with the scientists um uh basically like i was like our waste raffles like if you just you know put together like 50 burner wallets with 50 scientists in them mm -hmm. uh, and scientists cost like 0.001 ETH or something you could enter that raffle 50 times and basically you know have a really statistically significant chance of, of hitting at least once or more probably multiple times Right. And that those were like incredibly easy, positive outcomes uh, if you put the time and work in to, to do it. So I think there's a call, uh, there's definitely a lot of that cycling in and cycling out, but, but which kind of goes back to like, you know, this whole what, what is essentially a zero sum game or like the perception that the game between collectors and, and flippers is totally zero sum when it's actually not and very virtuous because those people um that do that and take profit early on are what provides the entry points for collectors and people who do want to be you know buy and hold types um going into the going into the mainline ecosystem like else there would be no exit you know how like how would that work right and it just it's just i i think all of this is just just a really um one of the kind of bigger consequences of of what's has become a very, very toxic debate around royalties. Um, and it, it's, it, I think it's, as we go into other hype mins, it's just going to continue to like to permeate into these, um, continue to, to, to just be in the background. So, um, to Grant's point, like creators find a better way to address it. Like the, uh, uh, uh you know, we just, we need royalty systems that have better product market fit with, with NFTs. Um, so dynamic royalties, I think, are a great idea, right? Like royalties that don't kick in if some of the person is selling at a loss, I think, are you know, if that's something that you could achieve, would be amazing for the space, oh, right? Uh, yeah. So, so it, it's it's just like, you know, creators want to be paid for their work, and that is a totally reasonable sense, but. Um, I think collectors or participants in the space as a whole are also pretty burnt by um, what are situations of outright greed and just a lot of failures to deliver on promises. Um, and I, I, I think so for both sides to kind of move forward, there has to be some compromise. Um, collectors and traders need to acknowledge that sometimes they have to pay some royalties and projects need to set, I think, reasonable practices and focus on better alignment with their holders. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think this is uh, the one thing I would I would hope for the space. And this is the thing that does frustrate me sometimes is that <clears throat> there's uh, one thing I'd hope for the space is that sometimes there's just not enough lesson learning. <laughs> if that makes sense, you know what I mean? Like I feel like we sometimes cycle through things multiple times, and we have to kind of 
we have to learn them all over again and figure out like, oh, this thing again, we're doing this again, we're going through it again. And I think it's the combination of like, when we go through something and kind of like what the experience is happening in the market at the time kind of complicates it a little bit. But I hope that going forward, there's there's things that people can just, it, this goes back to my my overall take, which is I think that all these projects need better comms teams. I think every single one of them needs to have a better sense of how do they talk about their project? How do they talk to people who both own their project, talk to people who don't own their project? How do they talk to people about issues with their project? How do they do things? How, how do people who aren't normally good communicators, how do you get them to write Discord announcements in a way that makes them not sound like morons? You know, things like that, which are not crazy things when you think about it, um, are hard to do. Um, uh, okay, let's. We should transition off of this uh, topic just to talk a little bit more about some of the stuff that's upcoming. Um, and one of the things I did want to talk about a little was the idea of this blur bid system that we got into, and kind of like update and figure out kind of from the the panel's perspective, kind of how we feel it's going. You know, there's been people out there who have talked about the fact that this is kind of propping up floor prices, both in a good way and a bad way. I think some people believe that like it's possible, uh, you know, as Grant maybe referred to briefly in the beginning, that like when that ends that, uh, or when the blur airdrop happens, it's possible that the, you know, that there could be some liquidity that might not be there in the same way. But, um, and just again, I always do this with blur because a couple of people in this, uh, in this podcast and at mid curve in general, there are people that have invested in blur um, as a disclosure, but um, Grant, why don't you jump out of that? Like what, what is your take in terms of like the bid system and how it's working and how it's kind of like working within the, the NFT ecosystem right now? Uh, just drawing back to, you know, an earlier point, market making is necessary in the space. Uh, the more shitty projects or even mediocre projects we have, uh, the more you need uh, an ecosystem and infrastructure that supports getting in, in and out easily of projects. Uh, and so, you know, the very primitive version of this we've, we've been seeing for the past two years, and that is called Punk's OTC, the account that tirelessly lessly bids and sells and buys and sells and bids and sells uh, the, you know, the number one asset, in my mind, uh, in, in NFTs, that's, that's CryptoPunks, right? And what, what do they have to do? They have to deposit money uh, on the Punk's contract in order to bid uh, on on these items, right? And for Blur, it's the same thing, except it's for most uh, 721 um, collections, right? So I think the infrastructure is correct. Um, looks like security is holding up well so far because I know there are concerns around, you know, your ETH not being in your wallet necessarily. Um, but I do think, you know, once once the incentives taper off, so too does some of that capital. Uh, and then eventually it starts to come back once people realize, you know, the true effect of it is, right? The true effect of it is to allow the Franklins and the punk OTCs of the world to make their cut more efficiently in the in the ecosystem. But as an everyday collector and or trader, it just allows you to get in and out uh, much easier. Uh, rotation of capital is going to be essential because every day there's going to be 10 to 20 new projects with varying degrees of potential, uh, and as most as with most people, you're going to want to taste uh, and try some of them, right? And not all of them are going to stick. No, I, I agree with with, with Grant 100. I, I think post airdrop, um, the bit death goes away, um, and I think I think the first maybe the first iteration is that we have we start to have like wider bid ask spread between um top bids and floor prices so so there is you know there is still market liquidity but but it's it's priced as such to give the liquidity provider a potential return um you know without sans airdrop and so instead of like getting out at basically what the floor price is which if you look across a lot of the top floor collections, like basically the bids are, are close to floor price because a lot of people are basically setting their bids at floor to farm points. Um, I think that widens out to something like five to 7%. And so you integrate some friction getting out, uh, which acts as an incentive for the, for the bid providers. Um, and that over time, you know, incentivizes the liquidity to come back into the market, which obviously puts pressure on that ARB. And, and I think like, you know, at different points in the market, that art wall, that that discount to floor 
either Titans or, or widens. Um, and that, that, and now, now you have a function in bid ask. And I mean, this is so fascinating to me because as somebody who really like, essentially, cause I, I did not own a punk or traded on punks OTC who has operated in a world where these didn't exist before. Did, do you all think that like, you know, does this bring more ultimately? And I think we're going to see some, there'll probably be some up and down coming out of the blur airdrop. We'll see what happens there. But do you think ultimately this makes a more stable environment overall for us? I guess mostly for blue chip stocks, is it real uh, stocks, blue chip uh, NFTs, but because it doesn't, you don't see, you don't see bids on everything, obviously, but does this make the overall market more stable if it works? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I thought, I know like people like to make uh, make fun of Franklin, but I actually think, you know, because he was really involved in August when um, the ape floor took a huge hit and you had a lot of bad loan concerns at the major lending protocols like Ben, I think it was it was really like, you know, guys like him and market makers like Eric that came in um and provided that backstop that that allowed a lot of the distressed apes to just get digested and work their way through the system and find new owners um and and, and which you know which in, i think in the worst case if that that hadn't been there if you didn't have hadn't had like a punks otc equivalent to find, to facilitate that market making process i think it could have gotten really really ugly um, and we could have been in a situation where like apes broke 50 and then just never looked back for a while. Um, so, so I, I, the existence of like actors like that in the space is, is, is really, really critical. I think Punk's OTC is just the best example of that because, you know, a lot of his, his activities are automated. So, you know, he's got bots out there trawling the marketplace. And I think he has algos that price things on like write certain trades. So whenever there is an inefficiency in the market, he bids out, he buys that punk and he instantly flips it for like a couple of ETH um, and makes that spread. Right. And and so he is he the dude is basically like, you know, jump trading for for punks. Um and that's that's really, really important in that space. Um if you want if you want there to be more adoption, if you want there to be better price discovery. Um, and, you, and if you want there to be like better stability in the overall market. Speaking of bad debt, I think that's the the one, uh, you know, the the third arrow that I forgot to mention in my uh, trepidatious opening statement. You can't call it, you can't call it mm. third, the third arrow anymore. I have to, open. I have to. <laughs> it, all, it all comes back to... Uh, to Zooper cycle? Kyle. 21, 22 cycle, you know? Yeah. Um, effective altruism, three, three arrows, they, they will live on, right? Um, yeah, I think uh, on-chain data is showing us, you know, the recent run isn't necessarily propped up by new wallets entering the space. Uh, and then, you know, expanding on that, if you look at um, some elements of the, of the NFT, uh, it's not necessarily burgeoning, it's still early, but some elements of the NFT loan system out there, uh, there does seem to be a significant uptick. Uh, in that area, right? Right now, um, there's only very limited collections available with which you can borrow against. Uh, and there's now more than ever uh, a ton of loans up against Board Apes and the rest of that ecosystem. So it'll be interesting to, interesting to see what happens uh, when floor price of that asset is no longer uh, rocking up. Yeah, I, I will say, and this, this is my personal take, is that like I'm going to really much enjoy the next couple months and I'm going to be very cautious and look at where, you know, what what I'm thinking for the rest of 2023, because I'm not convinced that that this is going to be a run that's going to last forever. I mean, obviously, there'll be ups and downs, but I find myself still very concerned about what Yuga is planning on doing and that the other side has taken so long. And we've spent a lot of time talking about the other side in this podcast, but I think that making a AAA game or a metaverse even, not even just a game, is a huge undertaking. It will probably take multiple years. And at some point, it's going to be tricky to figure out like where they go from here. Um, and I think that if that happens, then the NFT market is going to have a pretty significant correction because I think they still, as we said in the beginning, do drive a lot of this. Um, uh, Salty, I was going to ask you a little bit, like... As somebody who comes from like the DeFi side and has probably seen a lot of these financial tools in, in different ways, 
Like, what is your kind of take on the idea of this blur um, bidding system and, and how it's kind of looking at and changing the NFT market? Uh, yeah, I don't have a great thesis developed around that. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> okay, um, fine. <laughs> I just don't. I haven't. Um, uh, I, I'm not as into, like, I appreciate blur as a tool, although sometimes it frustrates me. Um, I think. Uh, it, we'll see what happens with the airdrop. Um, I get whiplash trying to keep up with who's doing what with royalties. And like, you know, every few weeks there's a new tweet and everybody's decided something different. And, and, and so um, I, I don't know, you know, I like what Grant said at the beginning of the podcast. Um, you know, it's a good reminder that even if you're having fun in the market right now, uh, it's everyone is and that's the time to be like well you know remember reality and stay in touch with reality and i am curious to see how much of the traffic and and what's going on right now is blur related uh whether it's airdrop or bid system or other things i don't know i i mean i think the 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 market the way it is now is different than it was before because there is not a large external flow of liquidity in so it's the same liquidity sloshing around between projects. And so anything that facilitates that faster velocity of capital is a, is going to be good. But um, we're going to see, I would think, floors across the board go down, you know, in a not super long time frame. And I don't yeah. know what impact or, or uh, what was that other marketplace that came out recently that um, – had no it had no fees uh for captain x2 y2 i think right it was an uh, x2 y2 reservoir that's what's going oh, yeah, reservoir that's right yeah, yeah that was just a typo or something like they turned the fees on pretty quickly uh with the captain's trading yeah initially there was there was no fees but then um i i think okay. they did even they did opt to flip the switch well, i was gonna say i bet I, my assumption is is that somebody at meme land sent a pretty angry message to them saying uh 80 of our traffic is trading on your on your on your marketplace right now because you're not putting uh you're not putting royalties on so if you want to i mean i guess they can't block it but but i'm assuming they were saying because they want to be a new marketplace they were like trying to be on the right side of a creator that would just be my assumption but captains can block it, right? I mean, they. Uh, this is one of these projects using the contract not to let other. Yeah, they they. Right. They, they use so the how did, registry filter. How did Reservoir get through that? It's it's not a whitelist; it's a blacklist, so they're just kept out. They were not added to the don't trade. They were they were not yeah they were not blacklisted. Okay, okay. So so they were they were able to transact. Um, you know, obviously that wasn't that was never gonna last forever. But so being a it, 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 sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. It, no, it was I was just saying it was really funny because the the reservoir listing started popping up. Like I I think and for a while no one knew what they were. Um, as the reservoir just kept listing them lower and lower. They didn't have the payroll. I know it was pretty crazy watching it. It was like, what the hell is going yeah. on here? Yeah, so 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 that's like a, a nascent marketplace. So it hasn't made it to all the filter list stuff, and maybe they do some interesting stuff too. I don't even know what their proposition is, but the other piece of that that I you know I've I've spent more time thinking about, and I, I'm interested to see continue to evolve is what Grant mentioned with uh, the NFT lending space, and then you're going to have NFT lending aggregators, um, and then you have the NFT perp space now beginning, and NFT perp the protocol I think is in like closed beta on Arbitrum. So uh, yep. that's gonna that's gonna open up a whole new thing. Uh, a gambling on the gambling. You know, it's if if NFTs weren't degen enough, it's time. Is to that gonna allow up. us to? Can we short collections at that point? Yeah, yeah you're already, yes. you, you already, you already. Oh, can. you can. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. I don't want to know about that. But I, I think, God, that feels like a way that a pe people are probably gonna get wrecked, including myself. But also b a pretty good way to make some money if you know what's going on in the space, right? Like, or if you worry, kind of Falk, I've, already, I've already been to the founder asking them to add old men with white beards. Oh, good. Oh, there <laughs> you go. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. We're going to be shorting that. And, yeah. and, and, and Opera 50X leverage. <laughs> so, what, what could go wrong? Exactly. You, a thousand X is now table stakes, guys. I'm sorry. If you don't have yes. a thousand X. I, you know, yeah, <laughs> Within I, three days. 
I need to do more research on how they do oracles and all this stuff. And I know it's for limited collections, but uh, the lending space and the perp space, I mean, these are these are the things you see that uh, develop around a market as the market matures. So, you know, it's it's great to see all this new tech coming out and it will help with price discovery and liquidity and the flippers aren't going anywhere. And I, yeah, what Blur's doing is is definitely a piece of that too. Yeah, I, I'm just so curious to know... I think a lot of us who kind of stuck around through the last six months definitely had some pretty down moments in terms of like, you know, what what was going to be the future of this space and what was going on. And now I think in some ways with the little bit of volume coming back, it starts to feel like, okay, well, maybe there's a world where this can kind of continue for a while. And one of the things that um, to talk about Grant's point about the the wallets that, you know, it's not like a lot of, what was the other Grant or Eric? Sorry, guys. Um, one of the, not a lot of new wallets coming back or a lot of new wallets starting. One thing I have noticed anecdotally, and this is just from me being in, you know, 30 discords is there's a lot of people coming back who have been gone from the space for three to six months. And obviously that's because probably they have friends that have reached out to them and said like, Hey, NFTs are kind of working again or, or, Oh, there's people that are buying and selling things again. And weirdly, like maybe that's a start. Do you know what I mean? In terms of getting more volume and money back into the space. I, I know that obviously we talk about the Trump NFT, how that brought people in. And I will tell you, speaking of old men with white beards, which is my side, uh, dumb side project, I have at least one or two holders who in their wallets are like six Trump NFTs and an old man, white beard and like two rugs. So like there are people who have come into the space through the Trump NFT. So that is one thing to be aware of. There are new people there. But How did I think those more... people find old men with white I don't beard? know. I mean, of I, all I, projects. I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe they just resonated with what the guy looked like. It could be these are, you know, for all I know, Fox viewers who are in their 70s or 80s. And hey, this is that guy looks are. like me. All right. Exactly. Um, yeah. But I do think what's interesting is this idea that you know, we shed so many people, right? So many people left. I mean, at one point, you know, all, a lot of us are active in Anonymize, the, the community. At one point, there would be like 10 minutes going by without a message in, in the Discord, which is like unheard of in a lot of ways for an active Discord. And, and MICE has stayed pretty active all the way since its launch in September of 2021. That there feels like people are returning. And my question, I guess, to the group here is, you know, is it enough for right now for the people, if we get back to say, like, I don't know, 70% of where we were when the people, when, when, the pro, when the NFT market was at its peak, is that enough to kind of keep this thing going for a while? Or do we feel like that this is an ongoing need for new people coming in and if, it, if we don't have new people coming in all the time, eventually we just kind of grind down to zero. Uh, I mean, we're not, we're not grinding to zero. I think that bottom has been tested a, a couple of times, right? And it's coincided with some truly horrific things happening in, in, in the DeFi space, right? That has just vaporized uh, a large chunk of liquidity uh, in the space. But I think our point is that for the space to grow sustainably from here on out, leverage has proven to not be uh, perhaps the right solution. Uh, yeah. And and my point is that part of the the uptick in in price and volume this month has undeniably been been that been leverage. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And and it's not. Yeah, I can agree with that and kind of see where that is too. Um, okay, we should we should probably wrap up relatively soon. The one, the one thing I wanted to get into at the very end here, and this is more like of a not a PSA, but more of like a lesson for for people. I think um, one of the things that uh, we were laughing about this earlier, but there was a project that launched um, yesterday called Old Rock NFT. And it was something I found and I didn't share with some of the people that are on this podcast and they were not very happy with the fact. But it no, was... No, 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 yes. no, no, no. Let's clarify here. You did eventually share it with us after you had shared it with uh, your... Uh, with other uh, groups. Penguins yes. alpha group. <laughs> you had groups. And, and he tweeted. And he tweeted. And then, and then well, he, you guys got to be following my he, Twitter. He, That's what I'm saying. Like... <laughs> He also then proceeded to call it in the anonymized yeah. Discord. <laughs> and then he came to us and was like, hey, maybe this and then guy's I came to yes. this. Yeah. So it's getting my priorities straight. Uh, Eric, do I you guess... want to admit you called it, but then backed out? Oh, yeah. And and I, I was looking at it at, at point like zero three or something. I'm like, hey, volume looks good here. You know, that website was not shit. And immediately as I sent it out, it goes from like point, it goes like it runs and then the liquidity 
just completely goes away. I'm like, well, like <laughs> that was it. Just ignore me. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> that was it. And then it, and then it went from that point. It went up to like like I said, I think point. It went up and yeah, that exactly. Point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what yeah, I wanted to what I wanted to kind of get into a little bit was how do you think about those kinds of plays in this market? Like I, the way I always kind of separate this the NFT space in a lot of ways is you have things like Meme Land. You have things like Azuki. You have things like you know e either big projects we're tracking, and, and obviously there's a lot of big stuff coming with the Moonbird stuff that's coming up. The Doodles thing, assu assuming that eventually happens, is coming up. Um, the Yuga thing, but a lot of the day-to-day -day action is on these little things. And you know, we're another done dumb one today. Uh, we're not going to get into this one, but it's called Feet Picks, and it's it's trending, and people are you know making small let's call it not small fortunes, but like making thousands of dollars on these plays. How do the three of you look at things like that? Like, uh, you know, Eric, how do you approach the day to day in a bull market, the day to day stuff that like kind of pops up out of nowhere and then suddenly is like is a everywhere, but then B is 10 X or even sometimes 50 X. Um, my whole thing was just kind of limit my risk appropriately. And so, you know, I think this is the market where there is appetite for degeneracy and so these mints will do well um but i i you know to reference like nft lending i think last week there was a statistic that 300 apes got put on ben Dow. and so that that's like a 15 million dollar loan like collectively speaking you know that 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 probably went back into the nft ecosystem um so i i think i think there's there's risk appetite to like basically take for people to take flyers on these smaller degen projects and really, really move them. But, you know, that like everybody is looking for the next shiny new turd. So <laughs> you're kind of just rotating in and rotating out. My my strategy here is to sort of play them, not over allocate, take profits aggressively, and hopefully rotate those profits back into like projects that I have higher conviction in, like Azuki's, Beans, you know, Captains at the right price, or even these friendship bracelets. Um, and, and over, like, as those run, take profit on those and, and kind of rotate them back into the super, super high conviction stuff, yep. you know, whether it's DeFi or, or Azuki, because, because I think collectively everyone here is like, is, is sort of waiting for the moment when, you know, the music stops, yeah. um, and, and potentially like things aren't always you know, up only again. Yeah. Um, and, and, and certainly in the, in the context of like the overall macro environment and just Elon Musk selling like billions of dollars of Tesla stock every other day. Um, you know, that's, that's not, that seems reasonable. Oh, and, and, you know, probably many, many more tech layoffs to come, right? Like we're, you know, we're in a place where, you know, Salesforce is talking about laying off, I think 10% of their company or, or, and you know, there's, that's a small number. A lot of times you see a second coming on top of that. Not, not that they're like, I'm saying there's a ton of Salesforce employees that are in the NFT market. There might be for, I know, but I think that that's the thing that is the back end of this, that, that is not to be forgotten about, which is that like the, the big bill run of 2021 happened before the tech implosion before the stock market implosion before the tech implosion and i think one thing i often think about is in this space when i first kind of got into it it was a lot of tech employees who had flush bank accounts because they worked at companies like facebook or google and had a lot of money that they had made on the stock whether it had been actually realized or was just in in stock value and wanted to play around and and threw a lot of money around i mean i was just sharing a story talking about that dumb rock mint like you know, I, Ether Rocks was an actual NFT for those of us who remember been in it for a space that, that were selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars and then went down. I don't know how, I'm sure that's probably worth something now, but I have to imagine it's, it's, it's one Ether or two ETH or something around there. But like there, there was just so much money that was flowing around there. And I don't think that money is here as much. Like I think that, that to me, it feels like the money that people have in IRL life that they could kind of play with is probably a lot less than it used to be. So yeah, the music could stop in the way that it wasn't stopping last year, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think, I think this is to, to um, pull out a, a, a very annoying english major term this is where it's kind of all awkward things are good right now but but the sort of damocles hangs <laughs> over yeah. ever, uh, all of us i'm impressed you know, eric i'm impressed i thought it, it, it can fall and cleave us in twain yeah, if, yeah a financial a financial wizard 
pulls out a Sword of Damocles reference. That's a pretty impressive thing. So oh, Eric's, congratulations. Eric's always on these references. 90s movies, Greek philosophy. Eric, Eric yeah. catches it. And he, he used the word poppin' earlier in the podcast, which I also appreciate. So he's got a wide variety of skills. Um, all right, we should we should probably wrap this up. Uh, before we go, let's ask everybody kind of what they're looking forward to in the next week. Um, Grant, what, what projects or what things are you looking forward to in the space that are coming up? There's kind of nothing under the radar i would say i'm looking forward to there's just you know a couple of big anniversaries to get past sorry one big anniversary in the azuki ecosystem and then we have the the yuga bit coming up mm-hmm. uh i think i'm just ready to be done with the whole uh royalties discussion at this point uh because personally i've seen it coming for a year and then now we've had to live through the last quarter of flip-flopping back and forth and the daily diatribes on twitter uh, and i just want it to be done with uh so that's probably what i'm looking forward to the most uh and obviously you know that's that kind of negative noise grows louder as the market goes down and then grows quieter as the market goes up so yeah Yeah. grant did you did you know that 2.5 percent makes a big difference (laughs) yeah but i don't know if i'm like qualified to speak on that i'm not a statistician at uh at one of the major uh, blue chip projects out there so by the way, what it, it, it is interesting you say that because I just thought about the Meanland thing again. It's like, imagine a world where it was a 0% or a 0.5 royalty for the marketplace and how, you know, you're going from, you know, 11% to 9.5 is a pretty big difference, right? Especially when you're talking about a, a 5 to 10 ETH project. So it's definitely something to that that I think will get solved eventually just for the competition, hopefully. Um, uh, Salty, what about you? What are you looking forward to next week? Oh, man, next week. I, I guess we do hang out every week, don't we? Uh, <laughs> well, we're gonna, yes, we're going to try to. And in the next week, I don't know. I mean, uh, I look forward to just minting more random crap that pops up occasionally and not too much. But, uh, you know, some rocks or some feet, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff, you know, happening in the DeFi world. Um uh, GMX Christmas is kind of over, you know, uh, uh, you know, everybody's going crazy about GMX for a little while there. All the threat ors were anyway on CT, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of really interesting stuff coming up, but, uh, I don't have much interest in deploying much capital right now. You know, I, I own what I own. The tax loss harvested what I did and, uh, I want to spend a little money and join minting and occasionally flipping and probably, it's all coming out to about zero because you know it's like it's like ten to one, you know, what you meant or buy early yeah. that that runs. But yeah. that's that's just enjoyable. Uh probably just gambling, you know. Um yeah, but I'm waiting. I, I'm still waiting to to make any major moves. That's fair. Uh, and Eric, what about you? What are you looking forward to this week? Uh same with Grant, uh the Zuki anniversary. Yeah. I think, you know, just personally, that's my favorite project by a pretty large margin in the space. So I'm always excited when something Azuki related happens. Um, what is but, the day, yeah, by the I, way? What day is it happening on? Like, sorry, what day is the anniversary the on? I think it's the twelfth, right? Yeah, now. The, okay. the the mint anniversary is the twelfth, and there's yep. uh, whispers of something happening on Lunar New Year, which is the twenty second. I think. Okay, that's good to know. All right, yeah, that makes sense. Anything else? Just Azuki. Yep, pretty much. Uh, I will this I, I will say kind of I'm gonna echo Salty's thing, but more so uh one thing I've been looking forward to, and this is not a project as much, but it, it's been really kind of compelling and nice to see, as I was talking about before, people coming back to the space who I haven't seen for a long time. Um, and in part, it's just one of the things I get reminded of uh daily, um, and even as much as when we talk about this rock stuff, is like the weird friendships that I've made uh, in this world because of the focus I've put on it, but also just because of kind of like the, the intensity of what it puts you through and how uh, you're, you're kind of like us against the world in a weird way because you can't really talk about it with everybody because they have such strong feelings on it one way or the other. But when you're in the middle of it, you really get to know people and you get to talk to people and then finding people who like, left a while back and maybe had a really rough time of it who are kind of like sneaking back in or finding ways to come back in. It's just nice. It feels, it feels good. So like, I'm looking forward to kind of that and hopefully having it be like, not, 
not just having it two weeks and then everybody goes goes away again, right? Like it would be nice to kind of like find a place where um, we could have a little bit of a balance where it's not so extreme that people come and go often. Um, then, and I think the other last thing I was going to say is that I really have a bit enjoying um, in that same vein, small discord groups. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me, I really have been enjoying small discord groups in difference to larger ones because there's something about the amount of conversation that happens in large discord groups that, that I've found kind of off putting. Whereas if you're in small discord groups, it's just easier to kind of put the personalities in your brain in a certain place. And, and I've been able to manage them in a cool way. And, and joining a couple new ones of those has kind of opened my idea and doors out to other people and other projects. And, you know, I know Grant has, is in a bunch of places in different, different, different groups. And, um, I found that really useful to me to kind of like get a better sense of the overall world. So um, Eric, are you in a bunch of other discords besides the like the main ones that a lot of us are in? Um, a couple, like one or two, sort of closed ones. Where um, it's it's also like more project NFT flipping related stuff. But yeah, outside of that much, I, I can't handle too much. Like right. fifty, we stay on top of fifty discords. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to do. Yeah. Um, but I, I have I have enjoyed uh, going into the captain's lounge um, for the last <laughs> couple of last day or so, saying that it was confirmed that the uh, artist will be uh, Oda. Oh yeah, how'd and, that go over? <laughs> just, just overall being very disruptive on that front. Um, I have I haven't been banned yet, but uh, I, I I I definitely feel on thin ice at this point. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I just as a everybody should know this by now, or people who are listening to this podcast probably know, but. The big tease in meme land is that there's an artist uh, that they haven't said who it is, but it is a large. I want to. I don't. What are the words they use, Eric? Did they say anime artist? It was a. I think it was like a um, um, '90s manga artist oh, okay, that's been responsible for okay. like like the biggest, um, biggest. You know, some of the most some of the most well known works in the space, right? So, so, so they they definitely amped it up a little. Well, and also there are only a handful of people that that can be right about, right? Like, and I think it's a it's an interesting thing. Did you see that thing today that I shared uh, in the Discord that people are saying that it's possible that it's the the not the Street Fighter, the actual Street Fighter artist, the original Street Fighter artist? Street Fighter. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. That'd be a big one. I feel like maybe not as big as some of the other uh, ones for anime fans though. But anyway, I think it'll be interesting to see. It definitely feels like a catalyst. I, I think it's interesting to see when they're going to release it. I don't, I don't know how long it's going to take them to come out with more details about it. Cause that's the other thing about meme land is that it is eight plus weeks to reveal, which is a little interesting. I mean, it worked for potatoes, so maybe it can work for meme land too. It definitely plays against the idea of short cycles. Like if you're going to take eight plus weeks to reveal something, um, it allows things to grow and die and then grow again over time, which is kind of interesting. So, um, okay. Any last thoughts from anybody before we go? All right. Um, we will wrap this up then, everybody. Thanks for coming uh, to the Midcurve Podcast. We are going to try to do this uh, on a weekly basis. And, you know, we might have some interview guests at some point soon. We've been talking a little bit about it. So, hey, you know what we should also do? We should ask people to send in questions to us. Why not? Right? Why not? Well, let's try this this time. This is completely off the top of my head, but at me at my Twitter handle, I'll kind of take the questions in at Funky Donk, F-O-N-K-Y-D-O-N-K. And I will bring the questions to the group and we'll answer them. So I think that might be a fun thing to to do, especially now where there's a lot of people out there who may have a lot of questions about things as we go forward. All right, everybody. Thanks to the three of you guys for joining me. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.